fellowship and everything else, but the whole focus and the whole point of why we do what we do is to open the Word of God and to hear something from Him. And I believe this is the message that the Lord has for this morning. But Jesus often, and we find this in Matthew chapter 20, He spoke in parables. And I think we would do well to pay special attention to the teachings of Jesus Christ in those parables. These parables, uh, they, they have not only a, a personal application, but they have a national application. And this, Jesus was obviously speaking directly to the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation at the time that he was on this earth. But he talks to them and he gives them a parable. And we'll just start there in verse number one of Matthew chapter 20. He says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, that's a day's wage, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. Here in, the, in this parable, the eleventh hour was upon them. It had appeared for those people. Jesus was there on the earth. And for the Jewish people, it was the eleventh hour. The gospel was getting ready to be spread throughout the whole rest of the world, specifically and particularly to the Gentiles. But Jesus Christ was giving the Jewish nation a chance this was the 11th hour for them, but there's also a very specific personal application here in this passage and in this parable for us. And if you go back and look, obviously every, every character Jesus is likening to something and to somebody, and I think we find a lot of different characters here in this passage. I'm taking the vineyard to represent the, uh, our home in heaven. Jesus Christ has a home in heaven that he has prepared for every single person that will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. The master of the household represents God the Father. The steward of the household represents Jesus Christ. And the day that he talks about represents the day of grace. And in this day, as you read through this passage, we see a first hour. We see a third hour. We see a sixth hour. We see a ninth hour. And we see an eleventh hour. Now, the Jewish day didn't start like our day does. Theirs was sun, sunset of the day before to sunset of the following day. That was their calendar day. That was their, that, was their, that was their period. And so it started early in the morning. The third hour was 9 o'clock a.m. The sixth hour was noon. The ninth hour would be 3 o'clock. The twelfth hour then would be 6 o'clock. That would be the final hour of their working day. And this man goes out to hire laborers, and he goes he got some at the very first hour, the very first thing in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. He goes out there at the first hour and he says, hey, I need laborers. I, I'm, I'm gathering people into my vineyard and I need you to go out and labor and work. And he, and he gathers some at the third hour and some at the sixth hour and some at the ninth hour. And there in verse number 6, we find him at the end of the day, going out at the 11th hour to look for laborers. There was only 60 minutes to go. And yet, this good man of the house, in verse 7, said to these men, Go ye also into the vineyard. Let me share the lesson with you this morning. There are people, as far as spiritual things go, uh, that are spiritually idle at the 11th hour. They have had the first hour of opportunity, and that hour has passed. They've had the third hour of opportunity, and that hour has passed. 
They've had the sixth and the ninth hour of opportunity, and those opportunities are passed. And now here we are in the 11th hour. There's just one hour to go, just 60 minutes to go. They have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let me tell you, friend, that you were not sent into this world for the things that are material. You weren't born into this world just to make a living. You weren't born into this world just to be successful in a trade. You weren't born into this world to eat and drink and find as much pleasure and happiness as you possibly can in this life. You were born facing a coming eternity and the things of time are secondary compared to the things of eternity. Sadly, that's not the case for most men alive today. They're wrapped up in the here and now. They're wrapped up in what pleases me now. They're wrapped up in what can I do to enjoy life now. And they forget about eternity. They don't think about eternity. And honestly, I think that's why there's a lot of people who don't like to sit and be alone. Because when they're sitting alone by themselves, those thoughts of eternity and those thoughts of what happens after this comes into their mind. And they don't like to think about those things. And so they push them out of their mind. They have to have the the TV playing constantly or they have to have music playing constantly or they have to be entertained in some way constantly because they, they cannot bear to be alone because then those thoughts of eternity arise in their hearts and in their minds. Most are only interested in the things that they can touch and feel and hold on to. Is that what you're interested in? The first hour has come and the third hour has come. And the sixth hour has come. And the ninth hour has come. And now, friend, you find yourself in the eleventh hour. And you haven't taken one step toward God. And you haven't taken one step toward Jesus Christ. You haven't taken one step toward the salvation of your immortal soul. There are two things that I think are necessary in order for you, when the twelfth hour finally does come, for you to be prepared for the good man of the house. Jesus Christ is coming back. And one of these days, we're going to have to give an account to him for what we've done with his death on the cross. And there are two things that I think are necessary in order for us to be prepared when Jesus Christ does come back for us. Let's pray, and we'll look at a couple of those things this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for an opportunity that we have to be in your house again this morning. And as I've already prayed, God, I do pray that if there is somebody in this room this morning that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, whether they've been coming here for 20 years or whether they've only been coming for two months, it doesn't matter. Every one of us is going to stand before Jesus Christ and give account of what we've done with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, whether we've accepted him or whether we've rejected him. And I pray that there would not be one person in this auditorium this morning that will walk out of here having rejected the salvation of Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd use me this morning to speak to the hearts of the people, that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts through me. And God, that you would help us to, uh, to know exactly what it is that you're trying to say to us this morning. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn over to Luke chapter 13, if you will. The first step in being prepared for the good man of the house coming back is repentance toward God. That's the burden of all the preachers that came Remember John the Baptist, as the people came from all lands and they gathered to hear him on the banks of the Jordan to speak, and he cried, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Even Jesus Christ preached that message. We find in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I had you turn there to Luke chapter 13. I want you to see this in verse number 2. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, 
ye shall all likewise perish. Or those 18, upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus was saying, it doesn't matter if you die young, it doesn't matter if you die old, it doesn't matter if you think that your life is blessed, it doesn't matter if you think your life is cursed. We're all in that same boat together. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish, he says. Turn over to Acts chapter 3, because that was also the message of the apostle Peter. Peter, as you know, denied Jesus Christ on the day that he was going to be crucified. Three times he denied Jesus Christ. And Peter went out, the Bible says, and he wept bitterly. And I think it was in that moment that Peter's life was completely changed. Though he had already believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, he had already put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But I think at that moment, his, his, his heart and his mind changed. And of course, then he saw Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead. And everything that Jesus said before he died made sense after Jesus Christ rose from the dead. No religious leader has ever been able to or has ever since done that. None of them have ever come back from the grave. Jesus Christ did. And I think that changed Peter's life as well. But Peter obviously was, was known as the one who preached on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people got saved and baptized and added unto the church. But he says this in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, "'Repent ye therefore and be converted.'" that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Turn a few chapters over to Acts chapter 17. Not only did John the Baptist and Jesus and Peter preach that message of repentance, but also Paul preached that message of repentance. And we find that all the way throughout the rest of the New Testament in the books that he wrote. But in Acts chapter 17, Paul is preaching on Mars Hill, the Areopagus, the, the great Greek uh, uh, tradition, if you will. And they had gods all over the place, and they wanted to make sure that they didn't miss any of them. And so they had a, a, a monument, if you will, a marker to the unknown God. And Paul came and asked them the question, do you know who that is? Do you know who the unknown God is? And they basically said, no, we don't know who it is, but we're just trying to make sure we got them all covered. And Paul started preaching to them, Jesus Christ, this is who you're missing it doesn't matter if you have all of the other things in the rest of the world. Without Jesus Christ, you have nothing. Jesus Christ is not just a cherry that you put on the top of ice cream. You have Jesus Christ and he has you or you have nothing. And that's what Paul preached to those people there on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 30. He said this, and the times of this ignorance, they didn't understand. They didn't know. They didn't know who this unknown God was. But Paul says... And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. What does repentance mean? It means to do an about face on the road of eternity. A man, before he repents, has his face set on the pathway toward hell. And after repentance, now he has got his face set on the pathway toward heaven. Before he repents, he loves his sin. He practices his sin. He wallows in his sin. After he repents, he shuns that sin. He rejects his sin. He hates his sin. It's not about being a good person. It's, not about real, it's about realizing that our sin is what sent Jesus Christ to a rugged cross to die. Had I never sinned, Jesus Christ never would have had to die on the cross. Somebody had to be the payment for that sin. It should have been me. I should have been the one that was crucified. But Jesus Christ died in my place. 
And his blood, the blood that he shed on Calvary, covers my sin. Is about recognizing that Jesus Christ went to a rugged cross and a do and about face where before I lived only to sin and only to satisfy my flesh. And now I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Has that happened in your life? Remember the words of Christ, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That means that the unrepenting soul goes to hell. And that's not a popular message today. Well, somebody dies and we put him in heaven. Somebody, you go to a funeral and so many times you hear, well, we know that he's in a better place. Not if he rejected Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom and I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but, but the Bible tells us very plainly that except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior go to heaven and those who don't, go to hell. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to wrap their minds around because how can a loving God send somebody to hell? Listen, Jesus Christ gave us a way out. He doesn't want us to go there. That's why he created heaven. That's why he gave us a plan to escape the torment and escape the punishment of hell. He doesn't want us to go there, but so many people reject Jesus Christ and that's what the, that's what the penalty for rejecting Jesus Christ is. It's eternity in hell. Doesn't matter if you're religious or irreligious. Jesus said, "Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish." Doesn't matter if you're right. If, if you're right now, you're honest or dishonest, good or bad, black or white, wealthy or poor. Jesus said, "Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish." Doesn't matter if you're a drunkard or whether or not alcohol has never touched your lips. Many times I ride with officers and they. Talk about some, it, it'll come up where they start to talk about drinking in some way, and I'll tell them, I've never had a drink. What? You've never had a drink in your life? I said, I've, I've never had it, and credit to my parents for never having it in our house and for uh, never giving me a desire to drink alcohol, but, but after that, I've never had a desire to drink it myself. You've never had alcohol? Good for you. That's what they normally say. It's better that way. I wish I had never had it either, but it doesn't matter if you're a drunkard. It doesn't matter if you've never had alcohol. The Bible says, except ye repent you shall all likewise perish. It doesn't matter if you are a member of the church. It doesn't matter if you shun the church and want nothing to do with it. Jesus said, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's a task that if you have never undertaken, you need to do that immediately. There are just 60 minutes to go. We're in the 11th hour. A great Scottish preacher by the name of Ian Paisley told a story about a young woman that used to come to his church every Sunday. And she was concerned about her soul, so one week he went by her house, and he sat down, and he called her by name, and he said, Mary, you know that you need to be saved. And she said, Mr. Paisley, I know that. When I sit in those service, something says to me, you have to be saved now. And they asked her, what do you do when that conviction comes? And she said, well, I harden myself against that voice, and every night after the appeal is made, I walk out. They said, do you realize that you're doing a very dangerous thing and that girl said to him, well, I'm just 18 years old and I'd like to enjoy life. He said, you realize you'll enjoy life a whole lot more if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. She said, well, I, I, I like to go to the dance and I, I like to go on with pleasures and I like to go on with my companionship. I like to go on and fulfill some of my own ambitions. And he said, but my dear young lady, God says in this book, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. She said, do you think that God at 18, would take me into eternity. 
They said, Mary, let's be honest. Many people have died before they were 18 years old. And she looked at Ian Paisley and she said, well, I'm not coming to Christ. I'm just 18 years old. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear the gospel message anymore. I want to live my life for a while. I want to enjoy my life for a while. And if I come to Christ, then I'm going to have to give all of those things up. And after a little bit more pleading with this woman, Ian Paisley walked out of her house. The next week, that young girl was suddenly ushered into eternity. She was sitting in her house, and her heart stopped beating, and she stopped drawing breath. They never figured out exactly what it was that took her life. But that was the end. 18 years old, she was in the 11th hour. Eternity is coming, and it may be near. Are you ready? Are you ready? I wonder how long it'll be before you're in eternity. I may be preaching to somebody this morning who will not be here at this time next week. You may not be here at this time next month. May not be here next time this year, uh, uh, this time next year. I don't know, and you don't know. But every one of us has to give an account of ourselves before Jesus Christ. God brought you here this morning, and this may be your final opportunity. Sixty minutes to go, and you've never repented. You've never turned to Jesus Christ. There's something else if you'll be prepared to meet the Lord. It's repentance toward God, but also faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over, if you will, to John chapter six. John chapter 6, in verse number 28, the Bible says this. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Verse 29, John chapter 6 and verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That's Jesus Christ. God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, down to this earth. He came as a baby, and that's when we celebrate Christmas, the, the birth of Jesus Christ. But the birth is not so much important as it is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and believing that Jesus Christ was sent by God to come and be our Savior, to be, as the Bible says, the propitiation, the, the sacrifice, the, the atonement for our sin. But that work of God has not been wrought in your heart. You're not prepared for eternity, and there are just 60 minutes to go. Will this be your last gospel service? Will this be the last time you get to hear the message of the gospel and respond to it? Oh, that there would not be anyone foolish enough in here this morning to reject the love of Jesus Christ and spend all of an eternity in hell when the completed work of Jesus Christ has already paid for your redemption. It's like a prisoner that's been given a pardon who could walk free if they wanted to, but they reject it and they say, I don't want it. And they sit there in that prison cell for another 20 or 30 or 40 years with that pardon, just waiting for them to accept it. That's exactly what salvation is. Those who die and go to hell die and go to hell with their sins paid for. God has already sent his son. Jesus Christ has already done the work. The pardon has already been signed. It's just a matter of us reaching out and accepting that pardon. Faith in Jesus Christ. By the grace of God in this 11th hour, you can repent and you can turn to Christ in faith for salvation. This parable is such a story of grace. Boy, this, this man who came in at the first hour and the man who came in at the 11th hour got the same wage. And that's, that's one of the things that some of them were upset about. Hey, we came in at the first hour. We've been working all day and you gave us a day's wage. These guys didn't come until the 11th hour. 
And you gave them the same day's wage. They only worked for one hour. They've only been in the vineyard for an hour. How can they get the exact same thing? But what a, what a picture of grace that is. It doesn't matter if you came to Jesus Christ as a young child and lived your entire life for him, or if you came to Jesus Christ on your deathbed. We all get the same thing before God. His grace is still sufficient for every single one of us, no matter when you came to him. What a picture of grace. What a tremendous plan of mercy for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and turn to him for salvation. It matters not if you accept him as a child or if you accept him as a 90-year-old on your deathbed. True acceptance of Jesus Christ and genuine turning in faith to him merits the same eternal reward of a home in heaven. What a tremendous plan that is. What a tremendous picture of grace that is for us. There's mercy and grace when the Lord, with the Lord. He can give grace to a sinner in the 11th hour. A pastor was asked by one of his members to visit uh, a family member of his in the hospital. And when he got there, he gave the nurse the name, and she said, wouldn't you know it, there's two men in this hospital on the same floor with the exact same name. And he said, well, I don't know this person. I only know the, 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 the member of my church who asked me to come visit, so let's, let's go by, and we'll just stop in both of those rooms and see if we can figure out which one it is. And so they went by the, the room of that first man, and he was asleep. And, and so this pastor said, well, let's, let's, leave, let's let him sleep, and we'll just go on to the next room. And so they went into the next room, and he said, hey, are you such and such? And he said, yes, that's me. And he said, well, I, I've been asked by uh, this church member to come by and visit you. And the man in that room said, well, I have no idea who that is. And this pastor said, well, would you mind if I sit here and talk to you for a couple of minutes? And he said, actually, actually, I'd love to sit here and talk to you. I recognize you, and I want to talk to you about the salvation of my soul. And this pastor said, well, that's exactly what I was going to talk to you about as well. And after a few minutes, about an hour or so of going through some verses in the Bible and talking through some different things, this man accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And this pastor walked out and, and went by the room of the man he was actually there to visit, and he was still asleep, and so he said, well, I'll just come back tomorrow. And he left, and so he, he did. He came back the next day, and this man was sitting up in the, in the bed when he got there, and he said, hey, I heard you came by to see me yesterday. He said, yes, I, I did. And he said, I heard you ended up talking to a different man. And he said, yes, I, I did talk to that man. And he said, you know that man died about three hours after you left. He said, what a tremendous thing that was. He got an opportunity to give the message of the gospel to this man. And in the 11th hour, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He was in eternity. He was saved in the 11th hour, 60 minutes to go. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. We'll all see that man in heaven someday. We might meet him. I don't know who he is, but we'll find out someday. And we're going to have the same reward that that man received three hours before he passed into eternity. My own great-grandfather, he died when I was 10 years old, but he was saved one week before he passed into eternity. 60 minutes to go, and God saved him. Reminds me of the story of a man by the name of George Gibson. He was an old cattle dealer, and he was bringing a Roman Catholic sergeant home from a fair one day, and he was preaching to him in the car. And as they drove, he, was, he, was, he became so passionate that he got his lead foot down on the accelerator, and they were going... 45, and then 55, and then 65, and they got all the way up to they were going 75 miles an hour. And that, that uh, sergeant turned over to, to, uh, to George Gibson, and he, he saw that needle of the speedometer climbing higher and higher, and he said, George, take it easy. He said, you're going 75 miles an hour, and you're preaching with one hand on the wheel, and with the other hand, you're preaching to me. 
And George said, that's right, Sergeant, 75 miles an hour into hell. You better get ready. You better get ready. 60 minutes to go, and the master of the house went out and touched him and said, go, join the rest. Heed my call. That's a call for those who are advanced in age. You have many opportunities, and you're not saved. But you know, it's also a call to a young person who has no idea when God's going to call them into eternity. I, I go often to Hollywood Cemetery up here on the banks of the James River, especially when we're taking people that, around Richmond and doing a tour. There's several presidents that are buried there. There's several other famous uh, Civil War generals are buried there. And, and uh, so it's a neat place to go and visit and just to read the tombstones and see all the different people that died and, and what they had written and how ornate all of those tombstones are. And many of them were in their middle to upper age, but there's a lot of short graves in Hollywood Cemetery as well where young children died where babies died, where people who were 10 or 12 or 15 years old passed into eternity. What a range in ages. What a great reminder that you're not guaranteed to live past the age that you are now. It could be that your soul will be required of you. It could be that your time on this earth is almost up. It could be today that Jesus Christ comes back just 60 minutes to go. But praise God, you can turn to Jesus Christ and be saved today. There might be somebody in here this morning that thinks they're just fine. You may attend church, even here, even every single week. You've never done anyone any harm. You do your best to be a good person. If you, you've made it this far in your life, doing all the good that you can to as many people as you can. You may think that if anyone's going to get into heaven, it's going to be you because of all the good that you've done and all the, 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 good, the good things that you have done and, and, the, and the good person that you've been. But I'm here to tell you that if those things or what you're counting on, then according to the word of God, you're not going to spend an eternity in heaven. It's not about how good we are. It's just like we, we read in our verse that we're memorizing for this month. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm not in heaven because of what I've done. I'm in heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. That's how I'm going to pass through the pearly gates. Not because of my goodness, not, not because God put a, a scale out there and he took all my good works and my bad works and, well, your good works just slightly outweighed your bad works so you can come on in. That has nothing to do with it. I'm not there because of me. Otherwise, Jesus Christ never would have had to die on the cross. I needed his death on the cross because I needed a Savior because of my sin. And even one sin is enough to keep me out of heaven. Thank the Lord that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for that sin. And it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's what he says in Titus chapter 3. And what an encouragement that is. I don't have to try to get there on my own. How hard would it be? How do you know when you've done enough? How do you know when, when, when you finally reach that level where you can have that satisfaction that, yeah, you know what, I, I, I probably am going to make it to heaven. But that's what most people, if you ask them, are you sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Most of them will say, well, I hope so, or I might, or maybe, or sure would be nice if, that, if that's the way that it was. I don't know. I've done some things that I'm not too proud of. I'm thankful that it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. And what your decision has to be is whether you're going to accept that death on the cross as the payment for your sin, or you're going to reject that death on the cross as the payment for your sin. There is no middle ground. There is not some place where you go to get your sins burned off, where you get to spend a little time there, and wow, I'm glad I finally got out of that place. No, there's heaven, and there's hell. 
And that's the eternal choice that every single one of us in this room has to make this morning. It doesn't matter if you spend all your life to this point rejecting Jesus Christ. Praise God. His grace is sufficient. And if you will turn to him in faith, he'll save you. 60 minutes to go. What an amazing thing to watch 25 or 50 or 75 years of sin put under the blood. I came to Jesus Christ when I was five years old. I had heard the message of the gospel since the time that I was born, since the time that I was old enough to even understand what was being read, what was being said, what was being taught. But at five years old, I came to the realization that I was a sinner. Even as a little five-year-old, I recognized that I had told, told lies, I had disobeyed, I had done things in my life that were wrong. But I know many people who have waited and have come to Jesus Christ at 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years old. And the blood of Jesus Christ covers all of those sins, covers our sins, past, present, and future. 60 minutes ago, I'm appealing to you this morning. Yes, you're good people. Yes, you're loyal. Yes, you're kind and generous, but you're not saved. And if you die without Jesus Christ, then it all counts for nothing when you stand before God someday. Why go on and face death and eternity in hell without Jesus Christ? Well, I have an advocate in the Father. Jesus Christ is my advocate. And when I stand before God someday and he starts to read through the list of things that I've done, as we sang in that song, the devil comes to God and he accuses us, hey, this is a sinner. Hey, look at all those bad things that he's done. And Jesus says, hang on, hang on. My name has covered all of those sins. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered all of those sins. He's good. He's with me. What an amazing thing that's going to be. And I can't wait to see after one after another people who stand before God and Jesus says, Yep, he's covered under the blood. Let him in. Yep, his name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Let him in. Yep, my name has been covered over his. My name has been covered over all of his sins. Let him in. But then how sad when he starts to look through the Lamb's book of life and he's looking for your name and he says, this is where it would be in the alphabetical order. There's no name here. And he has to look at us and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And I have to watch as they're cast, as the Bible says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What a sad thing that is. What a sad commentary on a life who could have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, who could have had their sins covered under the blood, but they rejected Jesus Christ because they're too busy or they got too much going on or they don't have time to think about it right now or they just don't want to think about it right now. 60 minutes to go. This is your opportunity. Why not meet my Savior this morning and go away rejoicing in a friendship that sticketh closer than a brother? 60 minutes to go, but I'm ready. Can you say that this morning? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? The devil and his cohorts were devising plans to get people to reject the gospel. And one of those demons that was there at that meeting said, let's go in and tell them that there's no God. And silence prevailed. Everybody just kind of looked at him. And every devil knew that most people believe in some kind of supreme being. You know, you get a few of them. Uh, 
along the way who claim to be an atheist and claim that there's no God, but they knew that that was not going to be a plan that would work on most of humanity. So another one said, well, let's tell them that there's, that there's no hell. Let's tell them that there's no future punishment. Let's just tell them that everybody goes to heaven. And, well, they silence kind of sat there again. That was turned down because men obviously have a conscience that tells them that sin must be punished. And so they, they ended in failure, or at least they thought they did, when a voice from the back spoke up and said, well, let, let's tell them that there is a God. Let's tell them that there is a hell, and let's tell them that there is punishment and everything else that comes after this life, but tell them that there's plenty of time to decide that question. Tell them to neglect the gospel until it's too late. And at that moment, all of hell erupted in a ghoulish glee because they realized this is a plan that will work. They're not going to convince people that there is no God for the most part. They're not going to convince people that there's no hell They're not going to convince people of a lot of the other things that that, uh, we know to be associated with with the devil and hell and death and all of those other things. But they know that if they can get you to procrastinate and push it off just long enough until the 11th hour passes and the clock strikes on that 12th hour and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then it's too late. As your pastor and as your friend this morning, I'm pleading with you to accept Jesus Christ before it's too late. It doesn't matter if you've been here since the start of this church. It doesn't matter if, you, if you've been here for just a couple months. I want you to know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. And there is nothing in this world that should keep you from accepting that death of Jesus Christ. Well, what's everybody going to think about me? They all thought that I've been saved for all this time. Hey, Nitton was in that same boat, Right? That's his testimony. I thought I was saved. I told everybody I was saved, but I realized that I had never accepted Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And Nitin came and accepted Jesus Christ, and now he knows that he's going to heaven. And now he's going back to India to plant a church and tell a lot of other people about the same thing. Hey, there is no amount of embarrassment. There is no amount of humility. There's no amount of pride that should keep you from coming to Jesus Christ as your Savior if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's the 11th hour. This could be your last chance, and I'm not trying to scare you into thinking that you better come and accept Jesus Christ, but I'm telling you, this could be your last chance. It very well might be. It's the 11th hour. Just one hour to go. 60 minutes. This could be your last chance to repent and turn to Jesus Christ in faith to be your Savior. Why don't you do it today? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that it doesn't depend on me and how good or bad I've been. It depends 100% on Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that you allowed somebody to share the message of the gospel with me and that I was able to accept it. I thank you so much for that opportunity. I thank you for the life that you've given me in Jesus Christ. I can't imagine what my life would be without it can't imagine what kind of troubles and turmoils and heartaches and emptiness there would be without Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me. And I know that many people in this room this morning can say the exact same thing. But God, there may be somebody that can't. They've never had their sins covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. They've never been to Calvary and had their burdens lifted. Know that today would be the day. And God, that the the conviction that you're placing in their heart right now would, would 
move them to step up and come forward at this invitation in just a couple minutes. And let somebody take a Bible and share with them how they can be saved. What a tremendous thing that would be. Oh, how the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repenteth. And I know that this church would be rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth as well. So God, I pray, I pray that there would be a response to the conviction in the hearts this morning. And I pray that you give us a greater burden to go out and reach the lost with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's only 60 minutes to go. We're in the 11th hour, and the message of the gospel needs to be shared with as many people as we can. Give us that burden. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you